0: Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of The Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Hello, and welcome to this special edition of The Capitol Report on NTD Television. We hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving Day. Recently we had a chance to sit down with former Trump administration trade advisor Dr. Peter Navarro. Navarro has just published a new book called Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back. He'll give us an inside look at the Trump administration, including its China policy, the trade deal with China, as well as personal decisions. Here's a look. Peter Navarro, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Steve. Peter, in the book, you, you do mention that uh, during the Trump administration, um, they could have been tougher on, on China. Yeah. If you could tell us, uh, you know, in a
1: nutshell, how. Sure. Um, the, um, the book begins, Taking Back Trump's America begins in 2016 during the campaign. And what really distinguished candidate Trump from the, the 16 other Republicans winning was the MAGA agenda. It was a strong border. It was an end-to-endless war. But one of the key, key issues was getting tough on communist China. And we did that to a large extent. I think one of the great achievements of Trump was to raise the consciousness of the American people to understand now, without any doubt, that China, communist China is the single greatest existential threat to this country. Yet, in the last year, as we were hurtling towards Election Day, there were a number of things we could have done to be as tough on China as we should have been where we stumbled. There was the issue of of Huawei. uh, There was the issue of TikTok. There was the issue of ZTE. I'm sure your your viewers have heard those names all before. We We were supposed to crack down On them put Huawei and ZTE effectively out of business and those punches got pulled and the the problem was always bad personnel inside the White House who were back channeling the Chinese and acting in my judgment in a treasonous way against the country and President Trump and I'm talking principally about Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, the Neville Chamberlain of our time, Larry Kudlow, the Lord Halifax of our time to join the Neville Chamberlain, and Jared Kushner. And it was just a constant, exhausting battle uh, to push forward a Tough on China agenda, and these guys would would push back in ways which were not appropriate. They engaged in bad process, process files, back-channeling, and it was, at the end of the day, just wrong. But the biggest thing that got away from me and it's featured prominently in the Taking Back Trump's America book, is the failure to get a beautiful executive order signed by President Trump that would have held communist China rightly rightly accountable for the virus and the pandemic in a way which would have held them uh, certainly financially responsible as well as clearly identifying them as the source of the virus, and that was um, that. That one broke my heart because I knew in my bones that the biggest thing the Democrats had attacking Trump was uh, his perceived failure on the pandemic. They blamed, they got the American people to blame Trump for the pandemic, and if we could only have shifted that blame where it rightly should have gone, both to communist China and, by the way, Anthony Fauci. I think it would have made all the difference in the world. It's a very interesting point because I think a lot of China
0: watchers and yourself probably remember when the former president was on the podium, he would oftentimes kind of allude to that fact that he yeah. was going to. So you almost felt like that was coming, yeah.
1: but it never did. Well, he was always being pulled back and, and the, the reason was uh, this so-called skinny trade deal, which was an abomination in and of itself. I told the boss that it was a bad deal and that even as bad as it was, the communists would never even abide by what there was in it. And that has turned out to be historically accurate. And so there was always this tension that uh, Mnuchin, Kudlow, Kushner, at times even the trade rep Lighthizer, wanted to preserve that skinny deal and therefore were afraid to take tough actions on China Uh, particularly uh, this executive order which would have held China accountable. And I was trying to explain to these people, and frankly, they're just politically naive. I mean, every single one of them had no understanding of this country. They were not of Main Street. They were not of the deplorable fabric. They were not of the 2016 campaign DNA that I shared with the boss. I'm only one of three people three people who was with the boss from the campaign all the way to the end, three senior advisors, the other two, Stephen Miller and Dan Scavino. Everybody else, you know, they they came and went. Um, but I I pers- persevered, and the boss kept me because he knew I was the guy who best exemplified what he wanted to do. I want to
0: ask you, Peter, I'm sure you've already heard by now um, many uh, close people to the former president. Uh, Most recently, Mike Lindell uh, has been um, raided by the FBI. This is an unprecedented use of force. Um, So many people, including yourself. Why do you think we're seeing this?
1: Yes, well, from my own story, as, as at least some of your viewers know, I was arrested at Reagan National Airport by five armed FBI agents. I was not a flight risk. I was being charged with a misdemeanor. The, the standard protocol for that is a, what's called a voluntary surrender. They call me or my lawyer, say, hey, we got an arrest warrant. Just come on down to the court. We'll process it and get you out. No, no bail required, right? That's what they should have done. Instead, they grabbed me, stuck me in leg irons, solitary confinement. They stuck me, they seem to be proud of this, the same cell that John Hinckley sat in when he shot Ronald Reagan. Uh, They didn't allow me to call an attorney, and it was an attempt at pure bullying and intimidation, and they leaked it to the press, by the way, while I sat there in solitary. And I wasn't surprised, sadly, because I was aware of the, uh, the rot, and it is a rot, within the FBI, going back to 2016. You have to remember... The preemptive coup that was attempted against Donald Trump with the, the, the now fully discredited Russia hoax—that was Hillary Clinton's campaign working with James Comey, Peter Strzok, uh, Pay, Lisa Page, and others, maybe Brennan, maybe Clapper—in uh, the, in the uh, what they call the IC, the intelligence community—and. Um, we saw the FBI's conduct with Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, George Papadopoulos. They took out Mike Flynn um, unfairly. Um, and you look, look, what they do—even um, if they can't put you in prison, they try to bankrupt you. I, mean, I already have costs exceeding four hundred thousand dollars for this. It's a misdemeanor. And uh, you ask me what they're trying to do? They're trying to bully, intimidate, and ultimately build a criminal case against Donald Trump so he can't get back in office. That's why taking back Trump's America has become so much more important. Look, um, if this book were coming out now as it is, and the FBI wasn't trying to do what they are trying to do with President Trump and the Department of Justice and and Joe Biden's not given speeches about how the deplorable's are terrorists this book wouldn't be as important as it is but but right now it's 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 so important that people read this and then act on it because we can't afford this Steve we can't afford to live in a country where authoritarians and fascists are running the ruling the roost and using that power, ironically, to destroy our economy and our national security. I mean, that, that dog should not be allowed to hunt. It sounds like what you're
0: saying is it's a, a form of scare tactics, um, both for people like yourself that have
1: been directly It's more than scare tactics, it's a way of canceling you. I mean, yeah, I'm not a wealthy man, right? I have a modest professor's pension, you know, I'm retired now. Um, yeah, you know, if I have to spend a million dollars on my defense, that's going to mean down the road in, in my golden years they'll be more like uh, I don't know brass or copper. You know, they're not, not going to be that golden. And you know, it's like, but you now I'm standing up for the Constitution in this country, my Commander-in-Chief, and I'm prepared to go to prison because of that. Uh, Because I think there's, there's significant constitutional issues that the Supreme Court itself needs to settle if we can't settle them in the lower courts. Peter Navarro, thank you so much. Sir. Now, another
0: buzzword that has taken center stage in America's culture war is transgenderism, especially gender transitioning for minors to discuss this phenomenon, we sat down with Dr. Jeff Myers, president of Summit Ministries, a nonprofit Christian organization. Myers will explore the forces behind the transgender movement, the pushback against it, and why people are pushing back. Dr. Jeff Myers, thank you so much for joining us. Steve, happy to be with you. Dr. Jeff, the uh, issue of transitioning minors, uh, it seems to have just kind of come out of the, the blue. Um, what's going on here?
2: Well, it turns out that people are thinking about transgender, the transgender movement, as a voting issue. And and some of it is because the president made it a voting issue. He said that we ought to support every minor when they want to have uh, procedures done, have pharmaceuticals, surgery, whatever. And, And he seemed to be indicating that he supports this at any age with no restrictions. A lot of people in America disagree with that. We've done some polling recently. Summit Ministries is not a polling company. We train young adult leaders, but we are doing a lot of polling just to understand the cultural moment and 75% of people in our most recent poll say they believe the transgender movement has gone too far. Now there's one
0: side and they tend to paint the other as being homophobic. What would you say is the root of the opposition uh, from people that are opposing those
2: people who are opposing the transgender I- issue? Well, I, I think it comes down to uh, it comes down it comes down to the sense that this transgender movement calls for actions that, frankly, mutilate kids. You, you look at especially minors going into clinics, and there are 70 Planned Parenthood clinics that are offering cross sex hormones and puberty blocking drugs to children, many of them without requiring any kind of parental consent at all. And these drugs, drugs like Lupron, are extremely expensive. They are going to cost the government, Medicare, billions of dollars this surgery and pharmaceutical business related to gender transition is already a 2 billion dollar a year business and growing fast and then so you're you're looking at all of those kinds of things and then realizing wait a second it, you can't just put pause on puberty you are actually injecting drugs experimental drugs into people for an off label use and no sense of the long term consequences
0: to your point, uh, there is more data coming out showing that people are uh, detransitioning. So, um, some of these alterations are irreversible.
2: Uh, that is true. And there are a lot of people detransitioning. That is now actually becoming a movement in social media in the same way that the original transition movement sort of was generated through the internet as well but what what ends up happening to people who are detransitioning is they realize for example if they've taken lupron that they might have bone density issues they have headaches they have vision loss now all of these side effects are would be acceptable for on label use which is at least in The largest part of it, I would say, is men who have prostate cancer. So this drug is used to help slow down the growth of the cancer in their body. But when you put it into the bodies of teenagers, it can actually create permanent damage. And doctors aren't talking about this. They're just saying, well, let's just pause puberty for a little bit until you kind of get things figured out. This is just not reality.
0: Now, we hear about this term uh, gender dysphoria. Um, there was a time where a, a girl could be a tomboy, and, and, and that was it, and then she'd grow up to be heterosexual, and, and, uh, but now there's a lot of influence that's kind of seeping in. How would you say uh, children nowadays, with so much of these pronouns and, and, and social emotional learning, can break through uh, the fog?
2: Well, a lot of children are just very confused by what's going on, but I think it's important to help children understand that gender is not something that falls along a spectrum from male to female. There is a male spectrum and there's a female spectrum that there are men who are more masculine, men who are less masculine, according to cultural stereotypes, and that's all they are, stereotypes, and same, same with women. Ironically, in saying that they want to oppose those stereotypes, a lot of people in the transgender movement actually end up enshrining them. You see men parading around in dresses and wearing makeup as if that's what they believe women should do. Which actually reinforces a stereotype that women are those, you know, are like that. Uh, all of this is just, go- it goes back to a battle over language, it goes back to a battle over the difference between sex and, and gender.
0: Dr. Jeff, I want to uh, ask you about bringing God back into society. Um, our country's state mottos, uh, slogans have always referenced God, the Pledge of Allegiance, but we've seen these things kind of be thrown to the wayside.
2: Steve, I come at this as a, as a Christian, so as, as what I do at Summit Ministries is help young adults develop and become strong in a biblical worldview, and so I, I think there is this sense in which what we're facing now is a battle over truth, capital T TRUTH, the idea that truth actually exists and we can know it. not easy. It's not delivered to our doorstep, but we can know it. Versus the idea of speak your truth, which says that reality can't be known by us. So we make up our own reality through the things that we believe. If we have now tipped the balance toward that second viewpoint, the vast majority of people now believe that truth is up to the individual rather than something that can be known to be true. Well, at the heart of what can be known to be true is the nature of God and His character. And as a Christian, I would go even further, and I say this in my book, Truth Changes Everything, that truth exists. And it's not just a set of logical propositions, it's not just a mathematical formula that models the world, it's a person, it's Jesus. And it turns out that it was people who held that belief, who had a significant impact on turning the world around. If we were to re-embrace, our understanding of God's nature and character, it it would change everything for our country.
0: So you mentioned your book, Truth Changes Everything. Uh, If you could just uh, expound a little bit more and tell us about uh, your book.
2: Well, in the book, Truth Changes Everything, I look at the battle between the idea that truth can be known, seek the truth, versus the idea that truth cannot be known, speak your truth, which is what we hear people talking about. And what I really uh, was excited about in the book, and I wrote it during a battle with cancer, so I literally thought it might be the last book I ever get to write. And, and I, I wanted, you know, what am I going to write on? if that's the, This is the last thing I can say. And I knew it had to be on truth because it's the most important thing to stand for. And then all the chapters are just stories. How truth changers changed everything in science and in art and in education and all these different areas of life. It is, it's it just, it's story after story after story of everyday people just like us, who did just did their thing as best they could, and the world ended up changing as a result. They never put on their college application. I want to change the world. You know, they just were the very best scientists they could be because they loved Jesus, and then everything else changed.
0: I just want to get back to the scary stuff here. Um, <laughs> the you know the New Age dictionary. Another term that we hear is uh, groomer. Um, <clears throat> Kids start to learn grammar in the fourth and fifth grade, Uh, they're taught about pronouns. A lot of this um, teaching can happen in a very subtle way. Um, How concerning is this to
2: you? Well, if someone wants to convince you that you should obey them no matter what, they might try to convince you, first of all, to break down your observation of what is knowably true. If you can get little boys and girls to look at other little boys and girls and say there is no difference, then you can get them to believe anything. I, I think it, there's a sexual grooming aspect to this that's a big part of it. But it's just grooming people into a false worldview. It's it's essentially saying that when you look at something and you know that it is real, it isn't if we say it isn't. If that's not a definition of totalitarianism, <laughs> I, I struggle to define that term.